Well, amen. Grab your copy of God's Word and go with me to Ephesians 4 this morning. Ephesians 4. You know, Mark Twain, who had all of the wit in the world, he once remarked, a lie can travel around the world and back again while the truth is lacing up its boots. Oh my goodness, man, ain't that true, y'all? Ain't that true? Listen, he said that over a century ago, long before the internet, even longer before social media. Lies, they do indeed travel fast and they seem to just multiply exponentially. And it's so hard sometimes to discern the lie from the truth. Now look, it wouldn't be any big deal if lies were innocuous, if lies were harmless, but they're not. Lies are not harmless, they're they're dangerous, indeed very dangerous. They not only deceive, but the scripture says that a lie will ensnare you. It'll, It'll entrap you, it'll imprison you, it'll take you captive and drag you to hell. And the only way to be set free is to hear the truth and to receive the truth. The truth is the only key that unlocks that prison that lies put us in. That's why Jesus said in John 8, 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So it's the truth that liberates. Yet the age that we live in, there seems to be so little of it. So little truth. Perhaps no one could argue against this that the single greatest crisis of our age is the abandonment of truth. And I want you to to, to understand this morning that the, the devil loves that. He's the father of lies and he loves to see lies spread. He loves to see lies proliferate, but most importantly, he loves to see lies entrap us, enslave us. And so in 2023, he's having a heyday. But there should be one place, beloved. There should be one place in the midst of all the lies and the corruption and the confusion that should be a bastion of truth. And that place is the church of Jesus Christ. Listen, if there's one place where our community could turn for the clarity of truth, it should be the church. If there's one place proclaiming the truth while everybody else stands and lies, it should be the church. If there's one place standing on the immovable foundation of absolute unchanging truth from a God who is absolute and unchanging, it should be the church. And so if we're gonna be a church after God's own heart, then we as a church must speak the truth. I wanna ask you to stand this morning to honor the reading of God's word this morning. We're gonna take just one verse, one simple verse, but a profound verse that will change everything if we will follow it. God's word says this in Ephesians 4, 15. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Well, thus ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray. So Father, we take this one verse, God, it is your word. And I pray that this morning, this congregation gathered here, Lord, would hear your word preached, 
But most importantly, God, that they would take this word and it would not just stop here, but it would penetrate their hearts and, and penetrate my heart, Lord, and that we would take this truth forward, Lord, into our community out here. Father, help Collinsville First Baptist Church be a place that speaks truth. Father, we know that's your heart and we pursue that. We pursue you. We pursue your heart. Father, I wanna pray this morning for the one who's never turned from sin and trusted Christ. The truth of the matter is that they are a sinner in need of a savior and that Jesus is the only savior. And that if they'll turn even right now, Lord, even as I'm praying, even before the message, if they'll turn from sin and cry out to you even right now from their heart, Lord, to be saved, you will save them. Father, would you work in their hearts today, we pray. We pray all this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, well, amen. Go ahead and grab your seat there if you would. So we, we see clearly here in Ephesians 4.15 the expectation that we are to speak the truth. But don't miss that little prepositional phrase right there that's added to the end of that. We're not only to speak the truth, we are to speak the truth in love. And so it takes both if we're gonna be a church after God's own Heart. So here's today's takeaway. Today's takeaway as we walk out of here is this, to be a church after God's own heart. We must speak the truth in love throughout our community. Now, I want you to see this morning, that is an individual call, okay? It is an individual call. Every single one of us, as we talked about last week, we are the church on Sunday morning gathered and then from Sunday afternoon through Saturday night, we are the church scattered, right? So there's the individual aspect of this where you take what we are to do as a church and go live this out 24 seven, okay? But also we gotta realize that this calling is a corporate calling, a church calling. And we know this particularly from this text because of the context right before Ephesians 4.15. You see, it's dealing with the church. And so he's speaking this into the church. Look at verse 11 through 14. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14 says, and God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we're no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So you see right there in verse 11, he's addressing, he's, he's laying this out, the leaders of the church, both those foundational leaders, the apostles and the prophets, we no longer have them today. They are the foundational leaders of the church in that regard. They laid the foundation. God used them through the power of the Holy Spirit to lay the foundation for the church. But then there's also in that list there what we would call maybe the functional leaders of the church, the pastors who function as evangelists and function as shepherds and function as teachers. These Men who serve in these positions are the truth agents of the church. They're to take God's truth 
and communicate it to God's people so that God's people may walk in the truth and speak the truth in love. So this idea of speaking the truth in love flows from God into the church and then out into the world. We are God's truth agents wherever we go. So to be a church after God's own heart, we must speak the truth in love throughout our community. And so if we're gonna be this type of church, first, we have to come to the understanding of four things here that we're gonna look at today. First, we have to come to the understanding that God loves truth. The summary of the Christian life is to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. And I declare to you this morning, God loves truth. As we step into our text here, we see the word truth staring us right in the faith. It's there in in our face. It's right there. And if there's one characteristic that we learn about God throughout the entirety of Scripture is that he is holy, 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 right? He, he's not just holy, he's holy, 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 <laughs> which again is thrice holy. In the Hebrew language, that's the way that you communicate superlatives. While you and I would say that something is pretty, 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 or we would say it's the prettiest, the Hebrews would say it's pretty, 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 all right? Or think about this morning, while we would say that the weather outside is the coldest I can remember, the Hebrews would have said that it is cold, cold, cold. So you, you see how that works? Instead of adding E-R or, or, or E-S-T to the end of words, they would just say them multiple times, all right? And so when we learn from Scripture that God is holy, 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 that means he's as holy as it gets. He's the apex of holiness. He's the epitome of holiness. And to be holy, holy, holy is to be as pure and set apart to righteousness as you can be. So you better believe that God loves truth because truth is holy, amen? And God is holy. It's for this reason that Hebrews 6.18 tells us that it is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. He can't lie because he's holy and because he's holy he loves truth in fact the scripture throughout the scripture God expresses his love for truth primarily it's interesting by expressing his hatred for lying for instance we read in Proverbs 6 16 through 19 we read this it says there are six things that the Lord hates Seven things that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. Twice in that list there of those seven things the Lord hates, lying's listed twice. In fact, just a, few, uh, just a few chapters later, Proverbs 12, 22, we read that lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. And so it's for this reason that lying makes the top 10 of God's commandments for holy living. Right, we know it as the ninth commandment, right? 
you shall not bear false witness, which is to say, quit lying. Don't lie. Guys, lying is a serious sin. In fact, God warns us. Think about this. God warns us in Revelation 21.8 that all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, it's not just liars that go there, right? If you were to read the context there, there's a few more on that list there. But you better believe liars certainly go to the lake of fire. Beloved, God will punish lying liars, not just because he hates lies, because he also loves truth. Truth is what he desires. And if we're gonna be a church after God's own heart, we have to love truth and we have to speak truth. But what is truth? That's what the world wants to know. What is truth? I mean, people are trying to find truth. I'm a simple man. Just ask my wife. <laughs> and I, I love simple things. And I'm so thankful that God has made the answer to that question really, really simple. You ready for this? What is truth? Here's the answer. Whatever God says it is. <laughs> Amen? Like, it's that simple. It really is. You don't need a PhD to know what truth is. <laughs> All you gotta have is whatever God says it is. And thankfully God has spoken in his word. He's given us his word. He's not left us without a testimony. He's given us a book, the book, the very word of God, which is the Bible. Jesus prayed to the father there in John 17, 17. He prayed for his disciples, which includes us. He said, sanctify them. He's praying to the father, sanctify them in the truth. Okay, well, what is the truth? And then he continues, your word is truth. So that Bible that you hold in your hands or, or have on your phone or that you've hidden in your heart by memorizing them, y'all listen, this book is not just man's guessing and groping about trying to figure out what truth is. Scripture is God's revelation of what is truth. Man didn't find this. God revealed this. That's why we learn in 2 Timothy 3, 16, that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work as I am right now breathing out words holy scripture was breathed out by God God spoke this word through men who wrote down truth the truth of God and so if you're looking for truth look no further than scripture and if we're going to go if we're going to go proclaim this truth if we're going to go speak this truth then we speak this because what this says what the 
Bible says. God says. God loves truth. And he's given us in the scripture an infallible, sufficient repository of truth that we might speak the truth in love throughout our community. All right? Second, if we're going to be a church after God's own heart who speaks the truth in love throughout our community, then we must understand that truth is the pathway to Christ's likeness. Truth is the pathway to Christ's likeness. You see, that's what our community right outside these walls needs. It needs to be like Christ. That's what you and I need. We need to be like Christ and praise God. Look at what the result of speaking the truth in love is according to our text. Again, look at Ephesians 4.15. Rather speaking the truth in love, all right? We can take that as, a, as an everyday thing, right? It's an ongoing thing, speaking the truth in love. Well, what are the results? Well, look here. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ that means to become Christ-like is to take on his character, his desires, his motives. And how do we get there? Well, we go down the pathway of truth. The pathway of truth. And that pathway begins with the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel. When it comes to the gospel, I, I, again, I'm a simple man. I like to think of the gospel in, in terms of three, or actually in, in, in terms of four C's. You've heard me say this before, the, the four C's of the gospel. If you've not heard these or you've not written them down, not memorized them, I encourage you to. It's really simple. The first C is creation. This is the beginning of the truth that you and I are to proclaim. The first C is creation. God made you and everyone else. And he didn't just make you. He made you for a relationship with him. He wants to know you. He wants to walk with you. He, he wants to love on you. And for you to know him and walk with him and loving back, that's what he desires as well. You were created for a relationship with God. And our first dad and mom Adam and Eve there in Genesis chapter one and two, even into three, they experienced that. The fullness of that there in the Garden of Eden. But that brings us to the second C here. The second C of the gospel is corruption. Our first mom and dad, they sinned, they fell short of the glory of God. As you look around and you say, what in the world is wrong with this place? We'll go all the way back to the Garden of Eden where corruption came in you see God gave them boundaries and he told them he said don't go past these boundaries if you do that's sin and the wages of sin is death I mean God directly told them if you go outside these boundaries and do what I said not to do you will surely die well they didn't listen to God and they went outside of those boundaries. They did what God said not to do. And after they sinned, it became abundantly clear that they would surely die. Not immediately die, but surely die. But something else happened. 
immediately. And that was separation. While death would come later, separation from God happened immediately. They hid from God, the Bible tells us. They blamed God. They made made up excuses to God. And soon what would God do? God would put them outside the Garden of Eden to keep them from the tree of life. And so separation was immediate. Death was coming. Corruption had entered in. And that corruption is passed down to you and to me. We are born sinners, the Bible tells us. We are born separated from God. We are born spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins. And then we take our own personal sins and heap on a lifetime. We tell lies. We want to take what others have. We murder. We hate. We commit sexual sin with our bodies and, and with our minds. And we love other things more than God. I mean, the list goes on. And just like Adam and Eve, although we might not immediately die, we will surely die physically, which is part of the curse of our sin. But we will surely die spiritually, forever separated from God in a place called hell. And there is nothing that you and I in and of ourselves can do to change that. Guys, that's awful news. And the world needs to hear that. They need to hear the truth of their spiritual condition. But praise God, that's not the end of the truth of the gospel because that brings us to our third C and the third C is Christ. Christ, while our sin deserves death and hell forever, God doesn't desire that for us. Therefore, he did something amazing to save us from our destiny. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to live the life that you and I can't live and to die the death that we deserve and to rise again from that grave. And every person, here's the good news. Here's what makes the gospel the gospel. Every person who will hate their sin and put their hope in the life death and resurrection of Jesus will be saved. Amen? Look, it doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter how many times they've done it. Christ Jesus can save anybody. I'm proof, right? And I'm looking around the room. There's all kinds of proof that that's true. But that brings us to the fourth C, which is this conclusion conclusion the fourth c is conclusion remember we will surely die not immediately but surely and one day we will all stand before god and at that moment at that moment uh, god will either let us into heaven or he will send us to hell and what we do with jesus is the dividing line those who turn from sin and trust in Christ will enter in to heaven. And those who never turn from sin and trust in Christ will be condemned to hell. And so every 
person must come to a conclusion about Christ. Every person has to make a decision. What will I do with this Jesus? And the truth of the matter is, if they never hear this truth, they'll never be able to personally choose. But here's the truth of the matter. To not choose is to choose. To not choose is to choose. Only those who turn from sin and trust in Christ as Savior and Lord will be saved and will enter into heaven. Beloved, this is the primary truth that we are to proclaim. And the world is gonna tell us that's old fashioned. People don't need to hear that. People are good. People are okay if that. Listen, just be good for goodness sake. Right? When they'll hear things like that. They can do it and, and they think they can do it. They think they can work their way to heaven. But if you don't tell them this truth, then they will never turn from sin and trust in Christ. This is the beginning of the pathway to Christ's likeness. But... That pathway continues as we proclaim what it means to be like Christ once you are saved, right? We, we don't stop proclaiming the truth, right? We don't just come to the gospel and that's it. No, no, there's a life lived after that. As Apostle Paul preached in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 10. Just listen to this here. Listen as, as, he, as, as, as truth here points us down a pathway and away from other pathways. For those of us who are already in Christ, listen to this. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what's earthly in you, Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Do you see the pathway that's being pictured here, that's being taught here, that's being proclaimed here? It's a pathway that is sexually moral, that is pure, that is controlled, self-controlled in its passions, not ruled by its passions. A, a, a pathway that doesn't desire that which is evil, a, a pathway which is content with what it has, a, a pathway that, that does not have obscenity coming from our mouths or lies from our mouth or anger or wrath from our bodies. That's the pathway to Christ's likeness because guess what? That's who Christ was. And as Christ was, we are to be. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, after we are saved, we will be these things. And so these truths are the pathway to Christ's likeness. And we as a church, we, 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 got, we have to speak these, not just from the pulpit, to, but to one another. 
One of the ways I become like Christ is that you love me enough to speak these things into my life and hold me accountable and to encourage me. But let's be honest, sometimes we don't speak these things. Sometimes we don't speak them as a church and and we definitely don't sometimes speak them as individuals like we ought to. And why is that? Why don't we speak the truth in love corporately and individually as we ought? I think you can sum it up with three words. Three words. Why don't we speak the truth in love corporately and individually? Ignorance, wickedness, and selfishness. Those three things. As I ran through my mind, what are the the, the reasons we don't? Those three, I think we can sum up the entire list. Ignorance. Sometimes we just don't know the truth. For whatever reason, right? We've, We've not studied God's word as we ought. We've just taken on a tradition from our our our, our community from, from the past. Or we've imbibed the culture. We don't even know that we've done that, but we've done that. Or maybe we've sat under unbiblical preaching. Whatever the case may be, sometimes we have to admit, sometimes we're just ignorant of the truth. We are proclaiming lies and not even realizing because we don't even know the truth. But sometimes it's not ignorance. Sometimes, let's be honest, we don't tell the truth in love because of wickedness. We benefit from not telling the truth. It gets us what we want sometimes. Now, when it comes to churches, what can it get us? It can get us crowds. It can get us applause from the world. It can get us influence in the places that we want to have influence. I mean, if I, if I told the truth, people might not like us. I mean, we might not have as big of a budget or we might not have as many buildings or, or people might think badly about us. But beloved, this goes for the church as a whole, and for the Christian as an individual. Jesus said it very succinctly right there in Mark eight thirty six. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You think that lying or not telling the truth is going to be a benefit to you? No, no, in the end, in the end, there is no benefit. The devil has deceived you. So sometimes it's wickedness. Other times it's ignorance. But third, I think sometimes we don't tell the truth in love. We don't speak the truth in love to our community because of selfishness. We love ourselves more than the one who needs to hear the truth. Let me say that again. Selfishness. We love ourselves more than the one who needs to hear the truth. And this captures a lot of other motivations. They, they, they fall under this umbrella of selfishness. For instance, fear of persecution. 
That's a real deal, right? It's increasingly true here in America, but around the world, if you proclaim the truth of God's word, you will be persecuted. There's the fear of rejection. I don't want somebody to not like me. I don't want somebody to say no. I don't want somebody to whatever. That falls under selfishness. There's also laziness. Look, man, telling people the truth of God's word is, is work. It takes, it takes brain, it takes heart, it takes body, it takes all of you to tell the truth. And sometimes we're just lazy. Or sometimes we just don't want that awkwardness. Sometimes when you tell the truth, it gets, <laughs> it gets awkward. I mean, the list could go on, but all of these boil down to one thing. We sometimes don't tell the truth in love because we love ourselves more than the one who needs to hear the truth. I love myself and my comfort more than another person. And beloved, that's selfishness. It's the very opposite of love. The world needs Christ and it needs to be like Christ. And they will never walk down that pathway if we don't speak the truth in love. Their only hope is Christ. So I'm saying to you this morning as a church, we need to run after God's heart. Regardless of the consequences, regardless of the, what the world thinks about us, regardless if, if, if this church never grows past what it is, even if the church were to dwindle, we will speak the truth of God's word, declaring it throughout this community that the pathway to Christ's likeness is truth. Third, guys, if we're gonna go and be a church after God's own heart, who speaks the truth and love throughout our community, then we must understand, third, that, that love should characterize our truth-telling. Look back again at, at Ephesians 4.15. Rather speaking the truth in love. Focus in on that preposition right there. In. Now here's the really cool thing. Did you know that the Greek word for in is in? No, seriously, it is. It's not I-N, it's E-N, but nevertheless, Epsilon knew. The Greek word for in is in, E-N, all right? Now, when you look at the dictionary, the, the, that word, that preposition in Greek, it has all kinds of nuances. And two of them in particular stand out. The first usage, the, the, the nuance of in, in the Greek is the nuance of with. So when you hear speak the truth in love, substitute in with with, all right? Speak the truth with love. Love should characterize our truth telling. Speak the truth with love. We could all stand and testify of that time in our life when someone spoke truth without love. How'd that go? <laughs> How did that feel, <laughs> right? Did it draw you to that person? Did it draw you to receive that truth? No, Proverbs 15:1 tells us, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You see, when we hear truth without love, it makes us mad. I don't care who you are. 
When you hear truth without love, it makes you mad. Truth itself is offensive. But it's especially offensive if it's not spoken with love. So, so how can love characterize our truth speaking? How can we speak truth with love? I, I want to give you just four really, really practical things real quick. How can we speak truth with love? First is to speak truth winsomely. Speak truth winsomely. That means with winsome words, right? So you got to think about how you're going to say what you're going to say. The words that you're going to use. It makes a big difference. Speak winsome words. But also, along with that, if you're going to speak the truth winsomely, then you have to speak truth in winsome tones. Now, just hear this for a moment. We talked a moment ago about, about speaking the truth of the gospel that a person is a sinner and that they're going to go to hell if they don't turn from sin and trust in Christ. Listen to the difference in tone here. You're a sinner and you're going to hell. Or how about this? You're a sinner. And you're going to go to hell. Do you, do you see the difference there? One communicates in my tone condemnation, almost hatred, it felt like. But the other one, honestly, communicated compassion that you were concerned for that person. And so tone is, is really important. Remember Proverbs 15 1, we just looked at it, a soft, Answer turns away wrath. So speak truth winsomely. Speak with winsome words and winsome tones. But secondly, speak to them and not to somebody else. Speak to them and not to somebody else. Go to that person, preferably privately. Look, it'll feel so much more loving if you don't embarrass them in front of others. And don't go talk to others about the truth that that person needs to hear. That isn't loving. That's talking behind somebody's back. And when that happens to you, do you feel loved? How strange it is, y'all, for real. How strange it is how often we fear telling the person, but we don't fear telling everybody else. Third, speak with redemption in mind. Speak with redemption in mind. Sometimes when we speak truth, we, we just want to condemn, particularly if we're angry. If we speak the truth in anger, we really want them to get what they deserve in that moment. But truth that is spoken with love is spoken with redemption in mind. You hope that they'll turn. You hope that they'll receive the truth. You hope they'll change their ways. You hope that they get on the pathway to Christ's likeness. That's redemption in mind, that they are not condemned, that there is hope for them. And finally, I would say this. How do you speak truth with love? Speak with restraint. Speak with restraint. You don't have to tell all the truths at every opportunity. Speaking the truth of love sometimes means only saying a little only speaking specifically 
Because if you spoke all the truth, you would overwhelm them. And so sometimes it means zipping that lip for a moment. Unzip it for a little bit and then zip. So if you're going to be a church, if we're going to be a church for God's own heart, we have to let love characterize our truth telling. But finally this morning, love shouldn't just characterize our truth telling. Love should motivate our truth telling. You see, the other nuance that I want to point you to of the Greek word in, which we translate as N-I-N, right? Is the nuance of because. Because. Speak the truth because of love. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.14. It says, for the love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this that one has died for all therefore all have died the love of Christ controls us other translations say it this way which I like better the truth of Christ compels us pushes us motivates us to get out and to tell truth we tell truth in love because we love now the world's got us all confused and thinking that truth and love are two separate things, but they're not. How do I know that? Well, because God tells us so in 1 Corinthians 13, 6. 1 Corinthians 13, 6 tells us that truth and love are indivisible. 1 Corinthians 13, 6 says, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth there they are hand in hand and so when you speak truth with love you can speak truth because of love now they're going to call you everything in the book you're a hater you're a phobist you're a you're some kind of ist you just are you know why they say that? Because they don't understand the truth of God's word that says that truth and love go hand in hand. But they do. They do, beloved. The British Ocean liner, the RMS Lusitania, it was struck by a torpedo from a German submarine. May 7, 1915. And it appears that in an effort to minimize panic, the captain, William Thomas Turner, created a full sense of assurance. Shortly after the torpedo struck the liner, a fellow passenger, Charles Laureate, heard a female passenger call out, Captain, what do you wish us to do? And author Eric Larson writes, he replied, Stay right where you are, madam. The ship's all right. Where'd you get that information, she asked. From the engine room, madam. But the engine room had clearly told him no such thing. Lariat and the woman now headed back toward the stern. And as they walked, they told each other and other passengers what the captain had said. Second-class passenger Henry Needham may have encountered the pair. He recalled that a passenger approaching from the direction of the bridge had shouted, the captain says the boat will not sink. That remark was greeted with cheers. He said, and I noticed many people who had been endeavoring to get 
a place on the lifeboats, turned away in apparent contentment. Turner's words, y'all, merely confirmed what the passengers and crew already believed or wanted to believe that no torpedo could cause the ship mortal damage. But on that day, of the 1,959 passengers aboard the Lusitania, 1,198 died when that boat sank. If the captain really loved them, he would have told them the truth because their life was on the line. They could have gotten to safety. They could have gotten on that boat and they would have been saved. They wouldn't have sank. But because he was not motivated by love, they went down with the ship. And I say to you this morning, beloved, all around you, people who are perishing, people who are perishing need to know the truth. And if you love them, you will tell them. So, to be a church after God's own heart. Speak the truth in love throughout our community. God loves truth. Truth is the pathway to Christ's likeness. Love should characterize our truth telling and love should motivate our truth telling. Here's my final prayer as the praise team comes. May we seek God's heart and share God's heart as we speak his truth.